Well, we've, we've made it through the summer, believe it or not. We made it through this. Did you know, I don't know if this happened to your house, but I looked out my window this morning and there was frost on the roof of my pickup. There wasn't on the hood, but there was on the roof. I, and I'm sure in Prairie City there was frost. But I was surprised to see it, especially when yesterday was 80-something and today's supposed to be 80-something as well. But fall's here, isn't it? Went to my first football game. Uh, on Friday, saw Jordan Hall make a touchdown on a trick play. The only, one. The only touchdown. That's right. For our team. The other team didn't have any problems. <laughs> but it was the only one for our team. But, but it, you know, I, I like fall. I do. I, I, li- I guess because it's a little cooler. You know, the perfect temperature for me is 65. That's my perfect temperature. That's why, I guess, last Sunday it was cold in here because I was trying to get it down to that perfect temperature. <laughs> it didn't make it. I was, st- I was still warm. But, but when... And, and my wife sent me a text during church, Randy, it's cold in here. <laughs> so, so I knew that, that we needed to not do that again. But, but it's good to see God working, and it's good to see us all back. And if there's people that aren't here, can you invite them? You know, the ones that you see here a lot, can you invite them and remind them to come back? And one of the things that we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is, you heard me mention, our purpose statement. So I have a couple questions. What are you here for? Do you know? Do you know what you're here for? We're not here just to breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide or sit on the couch. We're here for a reason. Do you know what that is? Have you ever wondered? Okay, I know that you have done this because I've heard it my whole life. What is God's will for my life? Do you ever wonder that? Yeah, me too. And I've wondered, am I doing God's will? And I've, you know, wondered all sorts of things. Isaiah 56, 7 kind of gives us a little hint. And it says this, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You've probably heard Jesus quote that in the New Testament in John when he cleared the temple. My Father's house should be known as a house of of prayer. You've made it a house of thieves. You're buying and selling things, and you shouldn't be doing that. He was quoting out of Isaiah. A house of prayer, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's one of the reasons we're here, is prayer. But we're put here for a lot of reasons. Here's, how many of you have ever read a William Barclay book? He passed away in um, the 70s. 
when I was in college, I would get his commentaries. Here's what William Barclay said about the church or about Christians. Every Christian is to be, is by definition one who is bound to attempt great things for God and to accept great things from God. The basic fault of so many congregations is that they are all well content to keep things as they are. For so many, the task of the church has become a holding engagement rather than a campaign of advance. Neither a person nor an institute can stand still. It must either advance or retreat. It must either progress or decay. We need those who are brave enough to think and plan and purpose and act adventurously. And that's what William Barclay said about the church. So one reason you're here is to believe on the one he sent. That's found in John chapter 6. And I don't have the scripture up there because it's not right what I'm talking about today. The other reason that we're here is because God loves us. We're here, you're here to be loved by God and to love God. That's why you're here. To be loved by God and to love God. And that's different for each of us. We tend to think as humans we want everything to be fair, which means everybody gets the same thing. I grew up in a family of five and and fair never, ever happened. I had two older sisters, they're twins, so they always got special attention because they're twins. And uh, people were always amazed that they were twins, and they couldn't tell them apart. They're so much alike, they're... Okay, I'll just tell them my sisters, they're 60 years old. They're so much apart, their kids can't tell them apart, and their grandkids can't tell them apart. And, and the kids have kind of gotten used to it. Their kids are all in their 30s except one who's 24. Uh, they've kind of got used to it. The One sister, Sharon, her kid, grandkids call her Lolly. So when Karen's there, and you see the problem? My parents named them Sharon and Karen. Sharon, Ray, and Karen Faye. And then they always dressed them alike. And, and now my sisters can even go to the store One lives in Washington, one lives in Ohio, and get the exact same clothing item on the exact same day. They both had an emergency trip to the hospital with gallbladders on the same day, same hour. That's how identical they are. I'm afraid when they get older, I'll be attending the two funerals at once if they keep this up. But but Sharon, who's known as Lolly, her, her grandkids call her Lolly, so when Karen's around, it's Lolly and Aunt Lolly. And they never know which is which. That's just the way it is. But, and you know, my little brother was the youngest, so he got special treatment because he was the youngest. And so, you know, nothing was fair. You know, it's true. Unless you're the youngest, then you think that that's not true. But the rest of us know it is. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I'm the middle one. August 32nd? (laughs) There you go. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, we, you know, fair doesn't happen. And when God loves us, we each have a love language. Did you know that? Gary Smalley, back in the 70s, wrote a book about love languages, 80s, something like that. And here are the love languages. Words of affirmation. We don't think people love us, this person or group of people, don't think people love them if they don't tell them, good job. You're doing good. The second group is acts of service. You don't love me because you haven't done anything for me. Or on the other hand is a person whose love language is act of service. They'll do stuff for you all day long and may never ever say they love you. And, and then you say, well, why don't you tell me you love me? Well, I did all this for you. I, I, I showed you. And then there's receiving gifts. If you love somebody, you give them gifts. If you want to feel loved, they give you gifts. And so it's the receiving of gifts. The fourth one is quality time. Spend time with me. Just spend time with me. Lynn's mom is that way. She And we all have some of these, but Lynn's mom's that way. You know, after after dinner, she goes... Let's get a cup of coffee, and we'll just sit in the living room and talk. And, and I'm going, why don't we go out and play some basketball? <laughs> but I can't get Lynn's mom out to play basketball. But, but just quality time. We spend time with them because we love them, and we assume that because they spend time with us, we love them. And then the fifth one is physical touch. You know, a pat on the back, a hug, a handshake, physical touch is our love language. And with God, all those love languages happen. And so it's not the same. God loving me may be different than God loving you because my love language will be different than yours. And, and also my history with God is different than yours. So when, when God loves me and I love God, it may look different than the way you do it and the way that God loves you. But we have to know we're here for God to love us and us to love him. And so back to God and why we're here. Our church is here for a reason too. And that's to serve God, worship God, disciple for God, outreach for God, live for God. That's what we're here for to do all those things. Remember the co, um, Kohatha, uh, Kohathites? I'm saying it wrong. We read about them, the, the tribe of Israel. Kohathites, thank you. I'm glad you're here. Um, they're, they're part of the tribe of Levi. Their job was to carry the sacred articles from you know, like the ark and, and everything that went with the ark, their job was to carry that. Remember when Moses was passing, you know, he had all the tribes donate to the Levites because they had to carry the, the um, tent of the meeting. So they all got carts except the Kohathites who had to carry it on their back. And we just read in Joshua, have you been reading? You got to read. We're, we're, we're almost done with Joshua. We're going to start Romans 
in two days. The, the, when the Israelites were crossing the Jordan River into the promised land at Jericho, who went first? The Kohathites. And it said the water did not stop until they stepped into the water. Isn't that amazing? And if you read a little more into the history, you also read that, that um, the Jordan River was at flood stage. That means it was really high. I don't know how deep the Jordan River is. I think in the summertime, it's, it looks a lot like the John Day River right out here. And, and you can almost get the top of your feet wet. But it was at flood stage, and they stepped into the river, and that's when God backed it up. Why did he wait till they stepped in? Just like with us, you got to take the first step to show your faith in God so that then he will do his part. Why would God stop the river if nobody's going to go? So they were the first ones. And then you read farther when they, they march around the walls of Jericho, the priests are going first with the trumpets, and then the ark comes. Kohathites, right there. I personally think, and I did, told this on a Sunday night um, a couple months ago, I think that's what our church should be, the Kohathites the ones that carry God into the struggles of this world. Not the ones that sit back and wait for something to happen, but the ones that step out with God and do whatever he asks. The one that carries God into the battle of life. If you read in Jude, it says that we're supposed to snatch people from the fire. The only way you can snatch people from the fire is if you're in the middle of things trying to save people. And I think that's what we're here for. As a church, that's what we're here for. And as a church, we're to lead the way, not stand back and see what happens. So then, how do we do that? This is our new and, and next week, you'll be able to see it better, but this is our new purpose statement. It's on the front of your bulletin. Did you know that? It's right there above the picture that says pray. We are here to pray. It, it, it will be P period, R period, A period, Y period. We're here to pray. And the pray stands for, you can see it up there, praise God, reveal to each other, approach others for God, and yield to each other. And over the next few months, we'll get more in depth, but I'll give you the overview of that. Praise God. Is, is the first one. It can also say pinpoint God, home in on God, Perceive God, know God. Now, pinpoint, you know, is no finding and say, oh, there he is right there. Home in on, that's probably an old homing pigeon. But, you know, focus in. Perceive, know. 
Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That's Jeremiah 29.13. I think that's the next slide. You will seek me and you find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So our purpose here is to find God, to pinpoint God. And I know when we say praise God, we assume that 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 just means worship. But it's more than that. It's knowing who He is, finding out who He is, focusing in on Him, and understand where He's coming from. And the second one is, the R of pray, is reveal to each other. Edify, live a life of worship to God. Think about it. A lot of the things that we learn is because somebody reveals it to us. Have you seen the video? It keeps, it keeps showing up. Um, and it's, it's a person asking like their parents, so they're picking on us older people, but saying, how do you spell yes? Y-E-S. What does E-Y-E-S spell? E-S. I-E-S. And they can't get it right. And it goes on for a little bit, and then they say, it spells eyes, and the people just go, oh, oh yeah. Have you ever been looking for your glasses and found them on your head? Have you ever been looking for your keys and found them in your hand? I I try not to let my wife know all the times that I've done that because then she starts worrying about me. But we have to reveal to each other who God is. And it's not our words that reveal who God is. It's almost always our actions. Romans 14, 17 through 20 is, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for people to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. My job is not to make you look bad. Your job is not to make yourself look good. My job is not to make me look good. My job is to make you better, and your job is to make me better and the person next to you better. It's not such a big deal anymore, but, man, I remember 20-some years ago, there was a battle over types of music and church. I had one lady, okay, 25 years ago, she was 88. She's not alive anymore. She, she got on me about country western music. And her question was, can you be Christian and like country music? And then somebody else told me there's only two types of music, country and western. And so, you know, it, it just goes. 
And, and there have been, and I've only been here a year, so I can't speak to it here, but there have been battles in church about the music. When I was in college, there was a, a Christian band called the Archers. They were good. They were uh, brothers, and I think there was a sister too. And at a concert in, in, at NNU, he was talking. He said, you know, last week I was, we were doing a concert in a church, and after it was over, a person set, came up to me and said, how can you have drums? This is in church. How can you have drums? They're a thing of the devil. And his response was, lady, I already beat the devil out of them. <laughs> and, and those things, all they do is drive us apart. They don't help anybody. They don't help anybody grow closer to God. And here's a quote for you. If we... Um, quarrel over a way that we're worshiping God, we're no longer worshiping God, we're worshiping the process of worship. Our job, and we should be able to worship God no matter what the circumstances. And the best example that I've ever seen, I took a group of kids to San Francisco. We went to a church, wasn't a Christian church. They sang Christian music but it wasn't a Christian church. But I will tell you that my group and my wife singing those Christian songs in that place experienced God. The sermon didn't help us get there. And, and the, some of the things that were going on didn't help us get there. But what we did experience was God. Because we were worshiping God, we weren't worshiping the, the service or the church or anything else. We were worshiping God. And our job under reveal is to worship God because the way if I'm busy being upset about something and, and stand like in the worship service and I'm just not there, the person next to me won't be there either because it'll be my wife and she'll wonder what's going on. And the person next to her will be wondering, oh, how come we're mumbling back and forth to each other? And all of a sudden, nobody's worshiping God. we got to reveal God to each other. We have to live in such a way that whether it's in church or out of church, God is seen in our actions and in our attitudes. And then the third one is A, approach others for God. And the scripture I used is Matthew 28. You know it as um, 18 through 20, as the Great Commission. Then Jesus said to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We have to approach others for God. We can't just go to the street corner. <laughs> My parents spent six months on Times Square of New York. Can you imagine that? Two hicks from eastern Washington in Times Square. Their nearest neighbor's a half mile away. And they're in Times Square. And this is where they were at. How many of you watch Good Morning America? And you see the front window and the banners scrolling like this. And you see Toys R Us that doesn't exist anymore on this side of the street. 
You walked right between ABC and, and Toys R Us a half a block, and that's where they lived, at the Lambs Club, which was a Nazarene church on Times Square. Full of people. And it was amazing to see how they reached out to people. My dad, Thanksgiving Day, you know they have the big Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Day Parade. Well, the Lambs Club on that day uh, was feeding homeless. And there were actors, and there were models, and there were people involved in all sorts of industry that were there helping my dad, who grew up on a farm in eastern Washington, cook 25 turkeys. And the whole purpose was to give food to the homeless out there. And there were people that used that church to keep their banners and their soapboxes because there were people that would come and preach on the street corners and then bring their stuff back to the Lambs Club. Well, I would tell you that they got the serving the turkeys told more people about God than the guy standing on the street corner hollering at the top of his lungs. They both have a purpose, but we have to approach people. And I'm not ever going to stand on a street corner and preach. I'm pretty sure of that. And, I'll probably, and I, I, I know that I'll avoid that guy because I've done it before. But, man, if somebody comes up to me, you know, and offers to help me do something, I, in Salem, I had an old Suburban, and the radiator hose blew up on the freeway, and I lost all coolant, had to pull over. And I'm in the stretch of of I-5 where it's like two miles between exits. So it would be northern side of Salem. And I had a long walk. And I'm walking. And this guy stopped. He said, where are you headed? And I told him. And I was working at Salem Church of the Nazarene. He took me right there. And the whole time he was telling me all these things that God had done for him. Which was great. And he was more than happy to help me out. I'm more willing to listen to that than... than Somebody just speaking. I mean, he's the only guy of thousands that stopped for me. That's what we get to be. Approach others for God. We get to be Jesus to John Day, but also Jesus to each other, and also Jesus to Grant County. We get to be that. And so we on purpose build relationships so that people can hear about Jesus and, and I know that sounds deceptive, doesn't it? So there's two things that has to happen. You have to love God and you have to actually love people to build a relationship with them. And your hope is that they will come to know Jesus. But even if they never come to know Jesus, you still want to have that relationship with them because God loves them. And so we need to go where people are at times and build relationships with people so that they can know God too. And then the fourth one is yield to each other. And that's Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, submit isn't give up my way so that they can have their way. 
Submit is actually allow people to influence you. Allow people to influence you. Probably one of the good examples of that would be little kids, even junior highers and high schoolers, learning how to do lay-ins in basketball. I pick basketball because that's my favorite sport. But I pick it because it demonstrates really well. You know when you, you do a lay-in, a, a right-handed lay-in, you go right foot, right hand, and do the lay-in. Correct? Nod your heads, yes. There you go. But have you ever watched somebody that's right-handed try to do a left-hand lay-in without practice? They always go right foot, left hand. And I always tell them they look like ballerinas. But when you first start on either hand, you usually do it wrong and you have to submit to the coach and do it their way so that you can do it right. And eventually, you get it done. And I will say, one reason that we have to submit to each other is because there's more than our way. There's more than our way. In Bremerton, where I was youth pastor... I did the unthinkable thing. This was forever ago. It was in the 90s. I did the unthinkable thing. Our youth group was so big on Wednesday nights, I had to divide it, and I asked the pastor if I could do the junior high on Sunday nights. This is back when, remember the date, everybody had Sunday night. It's not the norm anymore, it seems. We still have Sunday night, even though I know you wonder at times. But we still have Sunday night. And I asked the pastor if I could do the, the junior high on Sunday night, and we talked about it and talked over the board, and he said, sure, go ahead. And the first Sunday night, to get to the, the youth room, you had to go down the hall, past the sanctuary, turn the corner, go to the very end, and the youth room was there. So I had music playing loud enough it could be heard, so the kids knew where to go. And a lady comes in, one of the sweetest old ladies that you've ever met, and she was old. And she walked with the cane, and she comes in, and she's telling me this the next week. She goes, last Sunday I came to church, and I walked in, and I heard all this terrible music. And I was on my way down there to tell you to turn that music down when I turned the corner, and I saw all these kids I did not know. And she said, I asked God to forgive me. And went into the sanctuary. And she said, keep doing whatever you're doing. That's yielding to each other. Instead of stopping what God's doing, allow it to happen. I know in our marriage life we see yielding. Probably not as much as our spouses think we should yield. But, but we still do. And, and churches like that. We have to yield to each other. We've seen it happen in this church already. The pastor's office is now downstairs and the nursery's right there. And when you walk into the fellowship hall downstairs, you see all sorts of pre-K stuff. And we don't always like the music. We don't always... If we were asked to do it, we might do it differently but we yield to each other because it's more important that we have unity than that we have our way. 
And it's our love that's shown out of the church. So that when we have unity, we can approach others for God. We can live in a way that others worship God. And we can know who God is. We can do that. And so our purpose statement is pray. To praise God, pinpoint God. Reveal God to each other. Approach others for God and yield to each other. And over the next few weeks, we're going to tear that apart and build it back up. Because we're here for a purpose. And the purpose isn't so that we're the biggest, nicest church in John Day. The purpose is that we live for God and we're building each other up to live for God and people are being saved and discipled and sent out for God. That's our purpose. Our old, our old purpose statement was um, to reach the lost and train them and send them out. The only thing different that we've added is we've put focus on God in there. It's the only thing different. And we put it in different words. That's it. But that's what we're here for. It's what we're here for. To pray. And so next week we'll start talking about the actual pray because pray is more than telling God what we want. Pray is more than that. Pray is a lifestyle. And we're going to talk about that and how to pray and when to pray and get to each one of these four areas because God's called me here. He's called you here. We all have a purpose. We all have a responsibility. We're all going to do it together. Won't that be great? Won't that be great? You guys can nod your heads a little bit. We're almost done. Let's stand together and let's pray with each other.